0: You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. So we are in the first week of May, and since it's the first week of the month, you know exactly what that means. It's time for the next episode In our Exposing Kabbalah series, something we've been continuing all year. Now, always keep in mind with this series, it has been recorded. This is what we did at the Bride Ministries Church last year. If you are listening on our podcast and you say, wow, it would be nice to have the uh, (laughs) visual presentation along with what I'm hearing, just go to YouTube. Find this podcast on YouTube and you will see the entire video along with all of the screenshots and the diagrams and so on and so forth. So please don't forget that that is available to you. And the easy way to find a YouTube is just go to our website, BrideMovement.com on your computer, and you can go to the podcast and the YouTube will be right in the page for this week's program. I want to keep you guys informed that we are going to be doing a DID coach mentorship program in 2021. We're working on it in 2020. We have 14 people going through it and they are extraordinary. Uh, We are going to do it again in 2021. Why? Let me tell you something, folks. Bride Ministries is committed to solving problems for survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas. We are absolutely committed to the need set that um, the heavy-duty trauma presents for people, and we are endeavoring to become the number one most resource-rich ministry in this area in the world, and the the, the truth is. <laughs> There's not that much competition out there for this particular ministry arena. I will be honest; we're, we're not in competition with everyone else that's out there. We're just like, thank God, there's other people doing this work, but uh, we are definitely committed to this vision. And so, so we are training people. We are training, and 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 the goal is to release people onto our platform that uh, creates a central pool and a central hub where people from all over the world can begin to connect with solutions. Now. Uh, If you want to be trained to do the work that is required for the healing journeys of survivors of deep trauma, um, we have an application process. Our applications are due by August 31st. And you can go to bridemovement.com on our ministry page. And there is an area on the ministry page that says, I want to be a coach with Bride Ministries. You click there and there, there, you'll be on a landing page. We just built this beautiful, it's gorgeous. It's this new landing page. We have it for you. So you can get some details about what the program entails. And then if you want to apply, there's a bunch of apply buttons. You just click one of them. They all go to the same place. And that is our actual application. Now you do have to submit other data. So be ready to answer questions and you know get some uh you know, resume together as well as letters of recommendation. Anyway, um, we want to encourage you to apply if the Lord is putting a tug on your heart. And keep in mind, we are going to give interviews. And not everybody that applies to this program will get in. We do have a list of qualifications, what we are looking for. And if you see that uh, you do not meet those qualifications, think twice before applying because uh, you may put a whole lot of work in. And Frankly, if God's not telling you to do it and if you're not meeting the qualifications and so forth, you are unlikely to be accepted into the program. And so with that said, uh, we, are, we are very excited. We, we, we at Bride Ministries are going to put together something extraordinarily cool, in my opinion, and we want to do it this year, by summer. We have a plan to put together a self-deliverance portal on our website. It's, it's, it's going to allow people to engage with the prayers in our book, Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth, Advanced Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth. And I'm calling them secret sauce right now, but really they're just more prayers that I wrote after Advanced Prayers that Shake Heaven and Earth that are deliverance prayers for like the highest level stuff. And we're going to create a bunch of pages with me speaking these prayers over you. And we're going to pair that with some assessments so that you can have some help. Uh, knowing what prayers to get prayed over you and and literally from your iPhone, iPad, uh, your computer, desktop, Android, wherever it is that you happen to be using, you will be able to visit our site, go through our self-deliverance portal and uh, name your issues, press play and get delivered in Jesus name. I am so excited. Now, pray for us. <laughs> because there's a whole lot of evil people that are not excited. But you know what? God has us do everything in the light, right? So this is how God does something. First, he decides what he's going to do. Then he says what he's going to do. And then he does it. And you know what? The enemy can't stop Him, And that goes for the sons and daughters of God. You know, we we declare what we're going to do because God has already said it. And if he said it and I said it, guess what? It is. And so look forward to that. Sometime this summer, I, I, I'm going to be working hard to, to bring this around and do my part. And so, uh, look, guys, Bride Ministries is continuing to evolve into a really, really extraordinary platform. And thank you for all of you that continue to support us financially because you are making it possible. And I'll tell you what, if you guys believe in the vision, you guys see what we're doing, what we're doing now, things we want to do in the future like build survivor housing and so forth, So into us. Just go on the app. BrideMovement.com. Donate. Uh, it's really easy. We, we have different ways you can give money, cryptocurrency. You can write us a letter anytime. Our address is on our website on our donate page. So, folks, I'm done s- speaking on these things. We're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. <laughs> Exposing Kabul and, and I find the need to do this because what I have seen is that, look, our government is influenced by this stuff, religion is influenced by this stuff, the Christian sphere has been influenced by this. Stuff. And, and, and since it's not of God, we know that this is bad, right? And then they don't stop there because it is a programming template for survivors of satanic ritual abuse now why would Kabbalah be placed by these occultists at the foundation of those that they are hurting and raping and torturing and programming with lights and sounds and frequencies to be platforms of demon power and evil agenda if it was of God I'm not preaching yet. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to clear the air here. So I told you I'm going to have to hurt some feelings tonight. Now, we've been on a journey into exposing Kabbalah for the past four weeks, right? And um, for that reason, I, I have to do a lot of review at the beginning because. Some of you are just logging in because you had someone tell you, like, dude, you need to listen to what Dan Duvall is saying. And you're like, I don't even know what Kabbalah means. And so so now you're here. You missed all four of the first weeks. And and you're like, well, what the heck are you talking about? So, So let me just slow walk us through a few of the basics, right? What is Kabbalah? Kabbalah is the ancient Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible. Uh, First transmitted orally and using esoteric methods. Kabbalah is an esoteric method, discipline, and school of thought that originated in Judaism. Okay, now what is the connection to Judaism? Answer, it's not possible to discuss Kabbalah apart from a conversation on what is called Judaism or simply Jewish doctrine. Now, some Christians think that Judaism is simply a study of the Old Testament, right? Well, the, the Jews, they, they just they stop at the Old Testament, and they just haven't figured out yet that all these prophetic passages about Jesus are about Jesus. So if we just tell the practicing Judaism that Jesus is their Messiah, then they should all just figure it out because they're working with the same Old Testament that we are. Well, um, that, that is called Christian ignorance. Okay, um, if you read their own writings, and, and this goes from, you know, very unconservative, you know, uh, Judaism to, you know, or, Orthodox and everything, like, they all basically agree that the uh, Mishnah is part of their doctrine, right, the Mishnah is the first major written collection of Jewish oral tradition. so here's what happened, right, They say that at Mount Sinai, when Moses got the five books of Torah, that the 70 elders at the base of the mountain were also given a revelation that was on equal par with or even superior to that of Moses. Okay, that's what they say. So this oral tradition got passed down orally. It wasn't written down for 1500 years. And then... After Jesus died, going into the second century A.D. with all of the persecution that was going on in Rome, they decided it's time for us to write down our oral tradition, which Jesus rebuked us for. And that becomes Mishnah. And then out of that, we derive the Babylonian Talmud, which is a commentary on the Mishnah. And they said that the commentary on this oral tradition that Jesus rebuked them for is on equal par with the first five books of the Bible or Torah. And this is their doctrine. So their doctrine is not Old Testament. Oh, you cannot separate the Old Testament from the mission of the Babylonian Talmud. Okay, that, that is part of their belief. Okay, and, and they all acknowledge Kabbalah, which is in itself meaning to receive. It's a collection of Jewish esoteric books. And even the most conservative Jewish rabbis today acknowledge that all Orthodox Jews give credence, if nothing else, to the Kabbalistic works, right? Uh, Some of them study it for the spiritual implications and to deep dive into it. And some of them, they do it more for academic purposes, but they're all looking at it. They're like, yeah, credit, credit given where credit is due. The Kabbalah is part of our collection of books. And so the primary texts of Kabbalah are Zohar, which is the Book of Splendor, the Sefer Yetzirah, which is the Book of Formation, the Book of Mysteries, the Gate of Reincarnations, and 3 Enoch. And um, one may want to think that Kabbalah can be separated from Judaism and say, oh, no, you know, some Judaism is not, they don't deal with Kabbalah at all. I I looked into this. Um, This notion is dismissed by their own admission. And I, I went to different sites and looked at different, you know, rabbis writing about it. They all say the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, we give credence to Kabbalah. That, that's part of our religion. It's the new agers and, and the occultists that are stealing our stuff. <laughs> but but um, if, if there is any like Judaism groups out there that are denying Kabbalah as part of it, they're, they are splinter groups as far as what I have learned so far. And I, you know, of course I'm always learning. But um, so why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? So we're spending several weeks investigating it because Kabbalah is is not of God, right? It has influenced major areas of Christianity, okay? Um, And since many believers, and this is the part that really hurts my heart, right? Many believers don't even know what Kabbalah is, right? I bring up Kabbalah, you're like, huh? you know, we, we don't even know what it is. And some of us are satanically, ritually abused. And we have had to undergo rituals in our childhood that were so terrible, we blocked them. So we can't even remember the rituals And then when we start to remember the rituals, all we remember is the shame and the pain and the blood and the this, the torture. What we don't know is that the entire ritual was derived from the Kabbalistic system of magic. So underneath all of the blood and guts is this system, and we don't even know what the word means in our presenting personality. I think it's highly unfortunate. So so, but but you know, for the rest of us, like many of us, we don't know what Kabbalah is. We don't know what its beliefs are, and we don't know how to identify where its influence has poisoned the waters in the body of Christ. Like if someone told us what Kabbalah even teaches, then we would have a chance at identifying it when it's infiltrating our belief system. But what happens oftentimes is that people that come with an agenda and they begin to teach this kind of leaven, they don't tell you where the leaven is coming from. They just start telling you stuff that sounds cool. It's like, oh, wow, I haven't, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder where they're getting that from. And you think, oh, man, maybe they're just really deep. And it's like, no, they're actually teaching straight out of the Kabbalah, but no one told you that Kabbalah even exists or what it is. (laughs) So, so um, this is why we are going to learn why Kabbalah at its core is a doctrine of demons revealing the government of Lucifer. Alright, so now, moving forward into some of, more review, we looked at some famous students of Kabbalah, right, because if you want to know the root, look at the fruit. Okay, Kabbalah has produced the likes of Eliphas Levi. He led the occult revival of the 1800s that revived Satanism and Luciferianism. McGregor Mathers, he is one of the three founders of the Order of the Golden Dawn, also a mentor of Aleister Crowley, H.P. Blavatsky, right, she formed the Theosophical Society, of which Alice Bailey was aligned. Alice Bailey channeled Dwal Kul, an ascended master. She established the Lucifer Trust. She was the first to deploy terms like New Age and the coming age of Aquarius, right? All of that comes out of this Kabbalah. Like, you know, one of the teachings of the Kabbalah is, is the coming of a new age um, in line with their belief system right? The government that they are looking to, okay? Um, A.E. Wait, uh, this guy wrote occult texts on subjects including divination, esotericism, Rosicrucianism, Freemasonry, and ceremonial magic, Kabbalism, and alchemy, right? Because this system of magic fits in with all of that stuff. Uh, Manly P. Hall, famous Freemason, wrote the secret magic of the Kabbalah, right? Because Kabbalah and Freemasonry are like this. You do not have Freemasonry without Kabbalah. If you were to take Kabbalah out of Freemasonry, all you'd have is an empty shell of old men. They wouldn't know what to do because all of their rights, as they get initiated, the 17th degree, the 18th degree, the 19th are all based on Kabbalah. <laughs> Don't know if you knew that, right? Um, you know, the, the, even like the 17th degree, you have to give a passcode. The passcode at the 17th degree is Abaddon, associated with their belief around the abyss and the angel of the abyss in Kabbalah. So, like, all right, Albert Pike, another famous Freemason, wrote the book Morals and Dogma, which has a whole lot of commentary on Kabbalah. So why do we need to avoid Kabbalah? All right, so here's the two scriptures. I've been leaning on these and I'm going to drop them in the chat box for those of you that are paying attention. Um, Number one, Titus 1 verses 10 through 14, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. You know, some of these commandments of men come right out of the oral Torah. That is what became Mishnah and Babylonian Talmud, right? And eventually Kabbalah. So, like, there is a command that we don't to go to this place, you know. Um, now, Second Corinthians 11, 1 through 4 says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he who comes if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached or you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted you may well put up with it you know uh I don't know if you knew this but we're going to get into this today in Kabbalah they look at Metatron as their messiah and so Paul's thing. look if someone comes to you and says, "Let's ascend Metatron's cube," you might sign up. You might put up with it. I'm saying, let's go through the door that is Jesus, according to John 10. What the heck do I need a Metatron's cube for? And we're going to deep dive into this one today because today you're going to learn exactly who Metatron is. And in, anyway, um, now moving on. What is the Kabbalistic Tree of Life? Now, I'm going to do a little screen share here uh, because, you know, this is going to serve as a really good reminder of some things. And so bear with me for one second. Here we go. All right. So um, here is our Kabbalah tree. As you see, it is a, a template for the design of men. And as we have talked about over the last several weeks, it's also a Template for the creation or the universe. And um, the Zohar goes into great detail on the 10 Sephirot and the creation story they reveal. This is illustrated as a diagram, which is called the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. In Kabbalah, The tree is referred to as the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil interchangeably. We talked about this last week. You know, um, it functions as a creation myth, a counterfeit creative template explaining the nature of creation and a template for the design of man. And it's also a programming template for satanic ritual abuse. Uh, We learned that this tree contains a creation story. And here's how the creation story works from Ein Sof, right? or the limitless nothing that is uh, their God, uh, there is a void created at the point called will. And then God begins to inject his light through these sephirotes, which were kind of like transformers or um, uh, lenses through which his light can pass in setting up the creation in the spirit world first and then into the natural the way the light passes through those spheres looks kind of like this, right? The light's going through the spheres. And so when we look at how it comes down, the light first goes to Keter and then Chokmah. And then we learned that in the creation myth of Kabbalah, it is Ein Sof working with Keter and Chokmah that creates Elohim. So when the Bible says, in the beginning, God created in the Hebrew, that says Bereshit bara Elohim. In other words, in the beginning, created God according to the order of the Hebrew words. And so uh, the Zohar takes that and rewrites the whole story and says, No, 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 no. God, Elohim, didn't create at the beginning. I'm so working with Keter and Chokmah created Elohim, right? So we rewrite the whole creation story from day one. And what does that do? And I explained this to you that writes Jesus right out of the creation story even though John 1 explains to us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and so right there out the gate we see the beginning of Kabbalah mythology rewriting major components of the faith in order to write Jesus out of it and to make room for their own version of God so now uh we go from Keter to Chokmah, and then we have this lightning bolt pattern of light moving through the different Sephirots of the Tree, and finally landing in Malkut, which is the physical creation or the Earth physically. Now, um, having said that, with this foundation, we, we 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 kind of worked through the Tree and actually got really specific. We got into the nitty gritty, guys, and uh, you can always go back to some of the former lessons in this series to, to get that that data um, but we learned that uh, malkut is the kingdom and the physical world and the Kabbalists they view malkut as Shekinah. so anytime you hear Shekinah being talked about in Kabbalistic circles it's not just simply a word meaning glory Shekina is the female goddess version of God it is that uh, the, the the Ashtoreth version, it's the female counterpart. And and so they call her the Shekinah and they associate that with Malkuth In their mythology, she is the female counterpart of Ein Sof, right? And the gateway of man's ascension to knowledge, she's also the bride of Typhret and the mother who is one with the children of Israel. Uh, Now, the way they break it down, here's the physical, And here's the spiritual, right? So they create this entire cosmology and they say, well, when you begin working with Shekinah and then work your way up the tree, you begin a journey towards greater illumination. All right. So in in Kabbalah, it's all about getting illuminated. All right. Now moving on. Uh, Last week, we also discussed how Kabbalah completely rewrites the concept of the second atom. Who is Jesus, right? Because in Christianity, we learn that though by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So Jesus undoes what the first Adam did. But in Kabbalah, again, we rewrite the history and write Jesus out of the equation. So they create their own Adam. And they call him Adam Kadmon, or AK, who is Keter. And he is the primordial man who is not the Adam in the book of Genesis. This primordial man is the crown of the Sephiroth. He not only helps to create Elohim, but this primordial man, Adam Kadmon, is also the creator of physical man who gets created down here. So the second Adam in Kabbalah, is actually our first Adam. (laughs) So then the entire agenda for redemption is now confused. (sighs) Moreover, this physical man, Adam, when he takes from the tree of knowledge, is not actually in rebellion against God, according to their mythology. He is simply unbalancing the creation. So they have all this confusion, and then they come back and they say, now... The job of man is to do mitzvot. And mitzvot means we will follow the Torah, which for Judaism means the Old Testament plus the Babylonian Talmud and Mishnah plus Kabbalah so that we can accomplish tikkun, which is repair, and bring back order to the creation because things are out of whack, right? And they say that, you know, in order to help, we're going to bring in a guy called Messiah Ben Joseph. Now, we're going to look at Messiah Ben Joseph today and what this means for us. So so now we're going to ask the question, who is Metatron, right? Because I, I keep bringing up this name, Metatron this, Metatron that, Metatron's Cuban. Who, who the heck is this guy? Who the heck is this guy? Metatron In Jewish doctrine, is the angel of the presence. Metatron is the Messiah of the Jewish Kabbalah. He is also known as the minister of the interior, according to the Kol Hator, which is a book of Kabbalistic eschatology. Uh, We learn a lot about Metatron from several books in Kabbalah, but especially three Enoch, okay, which I've said over and over throughout the series is distinguished from one Enoch. Now, many of you know that one Enoch is an echo of the, uh, the book of Genesis. And it goes through, and it goes through the fall of the angels and the watchers and how they taught women to do all kinds of sin and the giants. And, you know, it's a lot of affirmation, but it expands on all of that, right? Um, Three Enoch is a completely different book. First of all, it was written after Jesus died. And it's a story of a rabbi who uses Merkabah mysticism in order to encounter Metatron. And when he encounters this, so-called angel then he has a whole list of questions and writes down all the answers and um this is not megatron from the transformers movie this is metatron of jewish kabbalah so um you know metatron is talked about at length and and i i need you guys to look at some stuff here so i'm going to do my little screen share again bring you back into this guy all right so Meshiach ben Yosef is the meta-archangel known throughout the Talmud, including standard commentaries of Rashi and Tosafat, Midrash and Zohar as Metatron. In this quote from Kol Hattor, which I told you is a book of Kabbalistic eschatology, We learn on page 16.22, Yosef is alive, okay? The light of Meshiach ben Yosef has three levels. Meshiach ben Yosef from the land, in line with Yosef, son of Rachel, from the aspect of recipient. B, Meshiach ben Yosef from heaven, in line with Yosef, son of Jacob, from the aspect of one who gives influences. C, Meshiach ben Yosef from both heaven and earth, revealed in the words, even all in the heavens and the earth, is in the sephirah yassad. Wait, what does that mean? We can't even interpret this writing without understanding the sephirot tree. Okay, there we are. That is the creative area, also the sex organ on the human body. Now, he's in the sephirah yassad, or Yesed. In Gematria, all in the heavens and the earth equals Meshiach ben Ephraim. Now, remember, Ephraim was one of the sons of Joseph. (laughs) Likewise, the value of horn of salvation is 741 in Gematria. And according to the Gaon, this refers to Meshiach ben Ephraim. Every act of ransom and saving by Meshiach ben Yosef is aided by Meshiach ben David in line with the incident in which Judah saved Joseph. According to what is written, what profit is it if we sell our brother and cover up his blood, etc., by saving Joseph, Judah merited being the one from whom the kingdom of David descended. Now, in order to understand what this is saying, you have to understand the way the Kabbalist mind works, because you can't just read something and say, well, God wrote this, therefore this must be what he means. No, you're looking for the secret, or sad, and we talked about this. That means you're going beneath the text to the illuminated secret of what is actually being said there. And so you're looking at this, and what is, and, and when you look at phrases in the text of Torah, what they do is they take all the letters of the Hebrew letters, and then they line them up, and then they put them through formulas, and the formulas are different, you know, and, and the rabbis will work, work, work it this way and put it through that formula and put it through this formula, and they'll get the numbers to change. And when they get the numbers to change, they'll get that phrase to equal the numbers of another phrase. That means something different than what the phrase actually says. And then they derive an understanding, right? This this is the same occult art that they use in, in, in Kabbalah. And I don't know if we talked about this specifically, but You know, when when you get into the secret doctrine of the nakash or the serpent, they say that the gematria of serpent can be made to match the gematria of Messiah once you do gematria right. And so if you do your equation right, serpent equals Messiah, therefore there is a messianic objective for Leviathan. (laughs) Okay, we'll just stop there. But this is what they're doing all the time with Kabbalah. They're, they're playing with numbers. They're doing it And they're coming to, you know, illumination, which is basically twisting the word of God. Okay. So that's what you see when you see the 741 and this number and gematria. That's what they're doing. But, but the overarching idea is, look, we're going to borrow from this idea that Jacob had a son named Joseph and a son named Judah. And th- this son named Joseph came from Rachel and he came from Jacob. Therefore, there is an, an objective for the Messiah from the land. There's an objective for this same thing from the heavens. And this this messiah is working from both heaven and earth. All right. And and um, in, in Kabbalah eschatology, there are really two messiahs because Messiah ben Yosef is opening the door for Messiah ben David. So Messiah ben Joseph is going to assist in bringing about Messiah ben David. So you have two messiahs coming in, in their view. Now, here's some more, okay? In other words, Meshiach ben Joseph is from Joseph, son of Abraham. He works as a messiah in conjunction with Messiah ben David. Furthermore, this messiah is Metatron, who is the archangel associated with Kenner, the crown. Furthermore, his role is revealed by the Gaon of Vilna. So here it is, page 15.20. The independence of Meshiach ben Yosef is related to three categories. A, the Meshiach ben Yosef from above is Metatron, the minister of the interior, and is also known as Yosef, is Metatron. Okay, so there is no question that, this is what they believe. Furthermore, we'll move over to page 58 in the Kol Torah. It says, then God sent us the light of Meshiach ben Yosef, that is Rabbi Eliyahu, the Vilna of Gaon." right? So this guy, Rabbi Eliyahu, who goes by the name the Vilna of Gaon, believed himself to be the very light of Meshiach ben Yosef, a prophet of sorts that is agreed upon among rabbis to be one of the greatest Kabbalists of all time, okay? But anyway, page 58. The Gaon came down from heaven to uncover for us the hints in the Torah regarding the footsteps of the Messiah, Meshiach, and the paths revealed indeed and gematria as he explained in his writings, okay? Praise God that Jesus isn't confusing like this. But see, this is what I'm going to do, right? Because, because see, I can't just say it. I can't just say, listen, the new world order is trying to set up a a center of world government in Jerusalem. And you Christians that have been praying for the peace of Jerusalem have been actually praying the advancement of their occult agenda. Because if I say that, now you're offended. But if I go this route and actually explain to you why Kabbalah eschatology leads to this conclusion that they are trying to bring an antichrist and see them in Jerusalem, and that you've been conned by this belief system, then maybe I have a chance of convincing some of the absolute terror that this Kabbalah system of magic has produced in the world. Let me continue. So, Going back, right? We're learning about this character. We're learning about this character. And, um, you know, the, the glory of God is that this is being recorded. So you can always go back and, and listen to this again and again, because, you know, I, I'm preparing for this. Do you think that I got this on the first run? I mean, I have been studying and studying and studying guys. This, this is not coming quick, not even to me. Okay, so, so here in 3 Enoch, we begin in chapter one. Okay. So you have this rabbi and he's writing this book, some two hundred. I don't remember what the actual date was of the writing, but he, he says in chapter one, when I ascended on high to behold the vision of the Merkabah and had entered the six halls, one within the other, as soon as I reached the door of the seventh hall, I stood in prayer before the Holy One, blessed be he, and lifting up my eyes on high, towards the divine majesty I said lord of the universe I pray thee that the merit of Aaron the son of Amram the lover of peace and pursuer of peace who received the crown of priesthood from thy glory on the mount of Sinai be valid for me in this hour so that Capsiel the prince and the angels with him may not get power over me nor throw me down from the heavens forthwith the holy one blessed be he sent to me Metatron his servant the angel, the prince of the presence, and he spreading his wings with great joy, came to meet me so as to save you from their hand. Now, Castiel is a bit of a bad guy, even though in Kabbalistic mythology, he works for God. He's kind of like a Satan. Now, um, from this point, the rabbi begins to ask Metatron all these questions. And uh, he's in this, you know, astral plane realm. And so th- over the course of the book, Metatron reveals him all kinds of data. He says, look, I'm Metatron. I am actually Enoch, the son of Jared from the book of Genesis. (laughs) But, But God caught me up. And so what happened to me after I was caught up was I was made the little Yahweh. I got 70 names. I became a very powerful prince in the heavens. I was taken from among those born of women as an elect one, equal to all of them in faith. In other words, there's a whole world and then there's Enoch. And so Enoch all by himself is equal to all of these people on the earth at that time in faith, righteousness, and perfection of deed. Now you have to understand that this would qualify him as an agent of the redemption in the human sphere, which they believe because he turns out to be their Messiah, Ben Joseph. Okay. Metatron goes on. Who? Who? And, and by the way, if you ever heard, you know, that, Enoch is actually Metatron. Understand that you got Kabbalistic theology when you were told that. That doesn't come from the Bible. The Bible doesn't say anything about what happened to Enoch after God took him. It just says God took him. Kabbalah says this, right? And this whole mythology around him is really bad because when when I get to the main point and blow all of you away, you're going to see that it is actually unlikely that Metatron is Enoch. But anyway, we're going to move on, okay? So we learned that he was appointed to a throne of glory. He grew 72 wings. He was given 365 eyes, endowed with all the light of the universe, and God made him representative and ruler over all the princes and kingdoms and all the children of heaven, except for these eight high princes, which go by the name Tetragrammaton, right? And um, I'm going to get to the Tetragrammaton probably next week, uh, because you need to know some things about that. Now, having said that, We're going to return to the Kol Hathor. this is what you need to know. This is a collection of teachings from a man named Rabbi Eliyahu. He lived in the 1700s. He was recognized universally as one of the greatest Torah authorities of the last several centuries. He goes by the Geon of Vilna. And his teachings were articulated uh, by Rabbi Hillel Rivlin. And um, this guy was a relative. And this collection of teachings is called the Kol Hator, which translates to the call of the turtle dove. That's the name of the book. Now, here's what it says on page two. According to the Gaon, all the work. Now, I want you to listen to this carefully because this is where this now becomes relevant. According to the Gaon. All the work involved in gathering in the exiles, building Jerusalem, and broadening the settlement of the land of Israel so that the Shekinah will return to it. All the principles of the work and all the major and minor details are connected to the mission and role of the first Meshiach, Meshiach Ben-Joseph. Daniel, Jesus is clearly behind what's happening in Israel right now. It's fulfilling Bible prophecy. No, it's not. The borders that God gave to Israel when he spoke to Abraham have nothing to do with the geography over there. Do your own research. Their writing tells you exactly who's behind that stuff. And it's not Jesus, if anything, it's Enoch. But we haven't gotten that far because I'm going to take you another step further. You need to understand this, okay? You need to understand this because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to break your programming. Half of you in here have programs running in your subconscious because of what you've been through that anchor you to an agenda being overseen by Metatron. Because you're tied to the cobbler tree, which is driving this geopolitical movement called political Zionism. <laughs> I wanna yell at somebody. Now, hold on. I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know, I need a shirt. It just says, you need to know. <laughs> because I keep saying it. You need to know this, the general mission Of Mashiach ben Joseph is threefold revelation of the mysteries in the Torah in gathering of the exiles and removal of the unclean spirit from the land the in gathering of exiles encompasses three tasks building Jerusalem, gathering in the exiles and fulfilling the commandments dependent upon the land. Do you know that in Judaism, half of the law, you can't even do it without a temple. So what do you do to fulfill the commandments depending on the land? You have to build a third temple and reinstate animal sacrifices now why when jesus has given himself as an offering once and for all for all the sins of mankind would he ever get behind an agenda to literally produce this abomination of putting animals back on the altar to atone for sins he already died for can someone please explain that to me but who's driving this answer metatron Next point, page six. In its time, I will hasten it. Our sages interpreted this principle to mean that if they, the people of Israel, merit it, I will hasten it, the redemption. If not, I will bring it in its own time. Sanhedrin 98a, regarding this, the commented that after all, the verse should be interpreted literally. According to the plain interpretation, even if the redemption comes at its proper time, I will hasten it when? When the smallest will become a thousand and the youngest a mighty nation. The words smallest and youngest refer to Ephraim, who is Messiah ben Joseph. In other words, Messiah ben Joseph must come in and hasten the completion of the agenda for Jerusalem. And Israel that is tied to the Kabbalah tree, the same system of magic that produced the Theosophical Society, Freemasonry, Illuminism, Judaism, the issues with uh, Mormonism, and Scientology. And you know what? This is exactly what we see happening in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, except we don't call this being Messiah ben Joseph or Metatron. We call this being the son of perdition. Verse 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, do not become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. It hasn't. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. That day will not come unless... Here's what has to come before he ever comes. The rebellion occurs. The man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction he will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. We are here to expose Kabbalah. And you're probably thinking, man, that was quite a sermon. I'm not done yet. This stuff is a mess, but when I make a point and I say, I am not a political Zionist, now you know why. If this weren't bad enough, we have to understand that to connect people with the agenda of Metatron, and Kabbalistic cosmology from which this agenda is being derived, Merkabah mysticism is utilized. This has flourished not only in Kabbalistic circles, but in New Age circles, where New Agers are doing ascensions through Metatron's cube. And now, guess what? People are saying, I'm Christian, and I'm going to teach you how to ascend in Metatron's cube. And some of you are saying, yay! (laughs) I I cannot take it. I can't take it. This is why we have to understand Merkabah mysticism, where it is derived from and what it means to Kabbalists. So that when someone comes to you and says, let's chant sacred names of Yahweh, and ascending to a cube. You think twice. Where'd you get that idea from, teacher? Did you learn it from the Bible? Now, Merkabah comes from the Hebrew word for charity, because historically it was understood that not only did angels have chariots, but also heavenly beings. So the Bible says in 1 Chronicles twenty-eight eighteen, and for the altar of incense refined gold by weight and gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubims that spread out their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now this is a part of scripture where David is preparing all the stuff that's going to go into the building of the temple right now. Solomon built it, but David saved up for it. So, So in in, uh, this, and I'm going to put it here so that all of you can see it. Um, In this passage of scripture, we're going through all the different items that David had. And in verse 18, it talks about the chariot of the cherubims. Now that word chariot means Merkabah. It comes from the Hebrew word Merkabah. And so Merkabah is a vehicle of transportation in the spirit world. Okay. So so, so Kabbalah takes this idea, right? Because the idea in itself is true. There, there are these vehicles and the cherubim do use them. And, but but they, they twist it. And they create an occult spirituality around this idea and center it on Metatron. Now, um, Kabbalah teaches Merkabah mysticism whereby... The initiated will travel by means of a Merkabah or chariot in their soul to a celestial realm. Now, guess what the Merkabah is? It is a six pointed star which is located in the midst of the tree. All right, let's go back to our image. Okay, so there's what your Merkabah looks like, right? Six pointed star. Now, Going to go back to the tree. I'm going to remind you that this is the six-pointed star that we're talking about. Guess what else that looks like? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> the flag of Israel, so-called present day, or the political state of uh, 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 manifested Zionism. But see it's all tied to the Kabbalistic agenda which is to bring in Meshiach Ben Joseph as a Messiah or as an Antichrist. In other words, <laughs> like I said last week, we could just rename this guy Antichrist cube because it is literally the same person now <laughs> all right <laughs> They, they, they're teaching this to Christians, and Christians are buying it. I can't even. And you know, the funny thing is, someone will go, learn this in a Christian mystic conference, and come to me and say, Daniel, can you get me set free from the Kabbalah tree? It's like, dude, you're literally putting yourself inside of it. I, I can't. <laughs> it only works if you stay outside of the tree. So stop going in the queue. This is called leaven, leavening the lump, right? Now, Merkabah mysticism connects to Ezekiel chapter one and the quest to understand the vehicle that God uses to visit Ezekiel, right? So, uh, this this fiery, burning portal opens and he sees these cherubim come out. And they're moving and then there's a wheel within the wheel and then one like the son of man sitting on top of the throne. Like that whole event in Ezekiel chapter 1, that is what Kabbalists have meditated on in developing their body of literature called Merkabah mysticism because they're trying to use occult initiations to reproduce spiritual encounters, right? And so when we look at the Merkabah, it is Metatron's cube of the Sephiroth tree. Its bottom is Yassad. Its top is Da'at. And Metatron's cube cannot be separated from Kabbalistic spirituality. And this is what I need everybody to understand. Metatron's cube cannot be separated from Kabbalistic cosmology. It is Kabbalah, okay? Like, and there's one thing to have a shape. All right, you have a shape, you have a triangle, you have a rectangle, you have a square, you have a square. like they're okay, they are shapes. But when you begin to engage in a spirituality based on Kabbalah, you are engaging in Kabbalah. Those points on that cube have meaning. Yasad has meaning, Daat has meaning. Going into that cube To navigate the spheres and the worlds that are associated with that cube have meaning. And you cannot say, oh, I'm just going to do it and just have a spiritual experience and encounter Jesus. Because you're going up in a tree that is literally the spiritual government of Lucifer. You will not land in Jesus by climbing up the spiritual government of Lucifer. It doesn't work that way. It's the wrong tree. So it's the wrong spirituality. And there is a godly counterpart to Ezekiel chapter 1 that isn't Merkabah mysticism. And there is a way to engage with God in the heavenlies that is extraordinary and deeply intimate, swimming around in the oceans of the Father's love. And like, but, but you don't need a Metatron's cube to get there. You just need Jesus. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, why are we substituting antichrist for Jesus and teaching that to Christians? And for the Christian ministers that are doing this, you need to repent. Because there is no way, knowing this, that I could continue to teach this if I were teaching it. And if someone hears me says that and gets mad and says, gosh darn it, I need to attack Dan DeVall now because he's attacking the Metatron's cube. You need to check your heart. What more evidence do you need? It is very unfortunate that large areas of Christian mysticism as it exists today have been defined by strategies for engaging the spirit world that are derived from Kabbalah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this series, because people that are connecting with me are getting tangled up, mixed up, and confused. And they're getting messed up because they're entangling with the same system of bondage, corruption, and magic that the satanic ritually abused children are being programmed with. Which is working in the earth to producing an agenda that is entirely contrary to what Jesus is doing in the earth. Because Jesus wants redemption for the nations. And Meshiach ben Yosef wants enslavement for the nations. Projected from a throne in Jerusalem. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 7 and 10. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Last point, what you need to know is that in Kabbalistic cosmology, Metatron doesn't work alone when it comes to restoring knowledge to mankind. Because remember, when we look at this tree, see, da'at is knowledge. This is coming back to some of the stuff we've already talked about. That's what it means. And when man fell and the Sephiroths got shattered, uh, knowledge was lost to mankind. And so Metatron is trying to give it back and he is working with uh, another character who contains the universe in his ring. So they say. This character is Leviathan. So Leviathan surrounds the Metatron's cube in Kabbalah and helps initiates to cross the abyss of Da'at, the mysterious blackness, allowing the initiated to cross over into brilliant white light of Kether, Metatron and the Adam-Cademan, because Metatron, though his cube is here. Metatron actually sits here. So we have to cross over the abyss in order to find the light of the supernal triad and ultimately have our encounter here. So Leviathan is signed up to help. And here's the problem. If you have been exposed to masonry, you undoubtedly have problems with Leviathan. Why? Because Leviathan is part of the cosmology of Kabbalah. (laughs) And guess what? Through Gematria, Torah sages have concluded that Leviathan, which is, is a code word, for universal consciousness and never-ending light. So what would you rather have? Metatron's cube or Jesus? Kabbalah eschatology? Or a kingdom-centered framework that says, you know what? I'm going to stay focused on my assignments and stop praying this Illuminati New World Order agenda in the manifestation. I don't care what the dispensationalists tell you, because we're going to get to them next week. Because I'm going to tell you this dispensationalism, which promotes the idea of this Jewish nation state, was funded by Jewish bankers and disseminated to seminaries and Bible schools on purpose. Corey C. Go ahead. Um, So I was just wondering seeing as how I could receive deliverance from the Kabbalah tree how I ever got it involved into my soul I'm I'm not a SRA victim or anything like that I did dabble in new age for a little bit before I was a Christian but I'm just wondering how that ever got involved in my being Perhaps. That is really a good question. And I'm going to give you a few points on that. Uh, first of all, uh, this is something that people inherit through generational iniquity on one level. So you can have, you know, this tree either partially or fully inside of you based on just being born into a bloodline with a bunch of Freemasons in it, even if you weren't actually exposed to their rituals yourself. This is one of the hidden reasons why people that come from Freemasonry families and renounce Freemasonry still are held in bondage because they, yeah, they renounce Freemasonry, but they never untethered from the tree that is the system of magic that undergirds Freemasonry, which is the government of Lucifer. So um, that's one way right also you know through different types of magical practices you 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 can put yourself in the tree many new age pieces of spirituality are derived from the tree it's it's just they they try to take some of the judaism out of it and you know just make it whatever mystical you know uh, using amulets uh potions and, and chants and they chant different things whatever it is so um, that's that's something as well, and of course, there's always a possibility that there were initiations done that are still under amnesia walls for any any person that may have had a, a questionable childhood. So, just those those are three points. Righto, thanks. Judas Smith, why does the Old Testament say during the millennium there will be sacrifices? And that is a really, really good question because you are talking about a passage of scripture in the book of Zechariah. And I believe it's Zechariah chapter 14. Let me see here. Um, Zechariah chapter 14. So it says, uh, The whole land from Geba to Rimen south of Jerusalem will become like Ereba, but Jerusalem will be raised high from the Benjamin Gate to the side of the first gate to the corner gate and from the Tower of Hanal to the royal wine press. It will remain in its place, it will be inhabited, never again will it be destroyed, Jerusalem will be secure. And then in verse 12, it says that God will strike nations that do not come up to, you know... Uh, You know, this passage of scripture, I'm I'm going to be honest. It seems to me, Judas Smith, that there is a few things going on. One, there is a political Zionist agenda driven by Metatron, this Antichrist spirit, to seat the Antichrist in the third temple and reinstate the abomination of desolation. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Jesus isn't going to come until after that. And I think that there's actually two layers, be, and I didn't get to the second layer today, but there, I think there's two layers to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I think there is a seeding of Antichrist in the temple of the mystical or the universal body of Christ by tethering many survivors to the Kabbalah tree and seeding Metatron deep within their systems. And having him reign from there and and, and driving end times programming associated with Kabbalah programming, which falls right in line with political Zionism and all of this agenda. And then there is the calling forth of Metatron from the body of Christ to occupy that seat in Jerusalem as an antichrist figure in the natural. I, I actually think both are going on. Um, and then Jesus says it's not going to be until after all of that that I actually come back so then there is th- something that happens when our Jesus Christ actually does come back and then there's stuff that happens and um, I'm not going to say that I am an expert on the millennial reign because I'm not and my theology in that area is, is still being shaped. I, I feel the Lord continually moving in that area. And, and so I have not, and I have intentionally avoided doing any kind of heavy teaching on the millennium because I think that what I was trained to believe about the millennium isn't entirely accurate, but I don't know what accurate looks like yet. So, so I hope that helps. But in, in other words, this comes back to something that I said a few weeks ago And that is that there is a passage, and I'll give it to you, in um, Zephaniah chapter 2, which talks about two ingatherings. And this is echoed in Zechariah 13.8, where the first ingathering of Israel by the hand of man is actually destroyed by two-thirds. And I think that that's also at play in the whole sphere of this conversation. So hopefully that helps a little bit. You know, we're, we're still putting together the whole picture. Um, Victoria Gilmore said, Is Yeshua the Messiah coming back to Mount of Olives in present day Jerusalem? Uh, again, I still believe in the Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, and I do believe that they will have a physical reality. I just think that what we see happening with political Zionism is a prerequisite, which is Antichrist's agenda that comes way before anything involving the actual return of Jesus. And so, yeah, I I, I do think that Messiah will stand on the Mount of Olives, but Uh, Not before we see Messiah Ben-Joseph occupying a throne in the temple. Mystically and physically and or. Uh, So hopefully that helps. Now, um, Jade said, how should we pray? Is it just safe to pray that Israel would return to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his Torah? It's hard to know how to pray for them with being so entangled in this. I, You know, honestly, I would pray for Israel the same way I pray for Muslims. May they know you, Jesus, Yeshua, as their Messiah. The whole idea that Jews and that term is really hard to use because it's been redefined by so many different groups. At this point, you say the word Jew, and everyone thinks something different. So I'm going to have to go through one day and go through like a, a, a table of definitions. Like, well, this group says Jews mean this, and this table says Jews mean this, and this. Group. But anyway, um, that whole idea that they have a separate covenant that they can enjoy union with God through comes out of dispensationalism, which is articulated in the Scofield Bible, which was bankrolled by Zionists. Romans chapter 11 is very clear that Jesus Christ is trying to graft Israel, the genetic Israelites, back into himself because they've been grafted out. So the Gentiles and the genetic Israelites are all going into the same person of Jesus. There's only one Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. And so we need to pray for their salvation. So, like, that's where I am. I'm just like... They need to get saved. Um, Okay. Praise God. These are tough questions. How would you address someone who pledged a Greek letter organization of which all are based on some form of Freemasonry, who can't handle the depth of understanding of Kabbalah and its connectivity to Freemasonry? How would you suggest one attempt to get their attention in a sound bite? I don't know, because if you make a Facebook post, you'll probably get attacked, let me tell you. (laughs) People will be on you like, white on rice, (laughs) I don't know, Um, I don't think it's a soundbite that's going to do it. I think that people require a journey, and they need things broken down to them, and if they're not willing to hear someone out long enough to have things broken down, then they're just not ready, and unfortunately, that's a whole lot of people. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a soundbite, I don't, I don't have one yet. Um, one last question. Are you aware at all of subconscious programming through the internet opinions? If so, I'm 19, I went through something involving this, and I feel like it's a product of older government mind control experiments becoming more advanced and hands-off. yeah yeah well i mean here's the thing whenever a person is watching a screen or just like watching a video in general the the brain drifts out of beta wave states and into alpha wave states so it's relaxing and this is one of the reasons why people get relaxed when they watch tv right and so after a long day it's ah and um the, the, the thing is, it's true. Like when you are in an alpha wave state, your subconscious is more vulnerable. So if you are not diligent about you know what's coming through, um, yeah, you can get unintentionally programmed and start believing things that you didn't agree with just because of overexposure to that content viewed on a screen um, because you are kind of being disarmed neurologically, like it's just c- coming through into your subconscious. And so, um, this is great for people that listen to me because when they push play and just watch me and zone out, <laughs> it's like, yes, we're getting in there, changing belief systems in Jesus name. But, um, you know, it's all about the kind of input and, and, and I'm not a Nazi on this one, you know, uh, we can absorb content with, with the filter on and put the filter up intentionally. But yeah, I mean, programming happens all the time. We're being programmed and we don't even know it. And um, it, it, but it goes really, really high. I mean, honestly, this past week I was dealing with some kind of alien technology in the spirit world that I, I mean, was quite literally global and undetectable. And it was creating like a false reality. I can't really go any further than that. It's just too difficult to explain, but they have all kinds of stuff that go very far beyond What we are told exists, yet we are being influenced by it and um, some of us more than others. So, there you go. All right. Praise God for all of you. Thank you for participating and hanging out. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.